Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fight Fit Podcast. We've got my man, Neil Jostrom, on the show today. Neil is the founder of Functional Therapies, and uh, he is opening up in Collingwood. Yeah. And you must be a busy, busy boy at the moment with that going on. Crazy busy. Um, I think people tell you how much work it is, and you don't believe them, and then all of a sudden you start doing it, and you're like, geez, this is a lot of work. All the small things, eh? Hey? <laughs> oh, so many tiny things you never think about. Um, you know, it's not a global business. It's a small business. But there's still so many things to, because you want to give the best possible service to, to clients you can. And there's so many little I's to dot and T's to cross. Mm. Um, and you've got some students of yours who are working with you? Yeah. So I've lectured for a while now and I've got two ex-students, so two graduates now. Um, so you picked the cream of the crop and... I kind of did. I kind of <laughs> targeted, targeted a, a couple of people that had really similar values to me. Um, both of them have been involved in strength and conditioning. Both of them have had... A little bit of a combat sport history as well so it really ties in well with the same um sort of ethics and systems that i've implemented previously in the in the business and so um yeah i targeted them and said would you be interested and they they you know jumped at it with open arms and, and so, in terms of ethics so um just for a bit of background so you're obviously a myotherapist that's right and what kind of like what are you, some of your ethics and your ethos and that you look for? Yeah, so I suppose the the biggest um, difference with the way that my sort of business is set up is that we're evidence based in terms of we don't go by hearsay and by what might work. We really look at the literature and what the evidence says and um, and implement that with our clients. Um, a big part of of that is education as well, really educating the client as to what might be wrong with them. Um, how they can manage it, um, whether or not they need to be referred on. So that education component is, is is very big, especially around pain. People, it's a very misunderstood um, thing. Pain. People people don't quite understand what it is, especially clients, and taking the time to educate them about why they're feeling pain and and the different things that can factor into that. And then the other component, the the biggest component of the business is that it's always movement focused. Um, so that strength conditioning background, as as I mentioned really helps us tie in the manual therapies that a lot of people get, the massage components, the dry needling, the cupping, all the different things that people um, regularly get from other therapists. And we really transfer that into a movement focus. So making more corrective exercises, tying it into the your gym work, your training, um, trying to make that seamless transition between rehab and actually training and getting stronger and performing better. Right. So really right. bring that bridge is what um, is what functional therapies is really all about. That's our main focus. And it makes sense with the name as well, functional therapies. Yeah. And also, as I was just telling you, I've been working with Mark Derrick, uh, MD Strength. Yeah. Um, the big man. Yeah. <laughs> six, six days a week. And the um, thing that I've been noticing is, A, my technique is just shit ass. And I've been, he's been teaching me how to properly do it. And I feel like I'm getting so much more out of one session knowing how to do things properly. But also at the start, the warm-ups, uh, you get the bird dogs, you know, those yep. those ab exercises yep. where you like lift the arm and the leg and yep. it's all like just balance sort of based stuff. Yeah. And then you've got your, you do your like your pull aparts with the with the rubber ropes as yep. well and all that sort of stuff stretches you out. And yeah. It's never something that I'd ever think to do. Yeah. It's it's really interesting. I have, I talk to Mark often and we have clients that we, we share between each other. And um, yeah, we always get lost in. Mark likes to talk a little bit like me, so uh, yeah. so we always get lost in conversation about you guys have been great pair health and fitness, and <laughs> um, and it, you know, it's great with Mark because 
I can talk sort of scientifically and literature based with him about about what is the right thing to do, and then we can workshop different solutions for different clients that might work. And so, with a bird dog, it might be that that's you know really activating the the core and allowing you to be ready for training. And other times, it might be, might be more of a neural connection that you're making. And other times, it might just be stretching you out and getting the mobility required for the actual training mm-hmm. that's there. And so, my job is being able to say, okay, how can you possibly um, do things around your training to make your training better, either before or after? And his job is, how can I make your training the best, po- the best possible? Right. And so it, the two services complement each other really well. Um, so that, so like the, those warm ups and stuff, that wouldn't be necessarily your wheelhouse of of recovery, but also you know stretching out before and getting getting ready and. That's right. So it's it's sometimes the the pre-warm-up routine, so the routine you do before you start your training, um, sometimes clients don't have any of that. They don't. Mm. They just they start boxing. They Jump start in. jumping in. They get into day's crazy circuit, you know, and, and they haven't done anything. And so sometimes my job is saying to them, okay, here's a few things we can do to to help you, so you're less chance of getting injured. And then a lot of the time, it's what can you do after training and in between training to make your to actually be able to train harder and to be able to recover faster. That's really right. where a lot of the um, a lot of the time gets spent with clients. And then, what's like a, a a really sort of common one that you would say that you almost something that you almost recommend to everybody in terms of before and after? Yeah. So recovery is a is a um, it's a hot topic at the moment. Finding out the best ways to recover, and there's constantly new tools and gadgets coming out. I'm sure you've seen the massage guns and mm, I have um, seen you know, that. Yeah, and you've seen lots of people do. People do crazy <laughs> things to try to recover, yeah, because um, they just want that edge. But if you really look I at don't the buy literature, that massage gun, yeah. <laughs> buy it at all. I've seen it so feels, many people like just getting someone to put it on their ass, and it, just, it, <laughs> it feels good and it kind of looks. I great can imagine it would feel great. Kind of looks like you're a tradie with a Makita <laughs> drill and, and that sort of stuff. So they can be good. Um, look, I personally don't use them, uh, and I definitely don't use them on my clients. Um, but there's a purpose there. And, you know, if we look at the, the real evidence behind recovery, there's kind of, there's two, what we'd call the goats of recovery, the, the Michael Jordans of recovery. Mm. Um, and the number one undoubtable is sleep. The sleep quality and the duration that you're getting um, is directly linked to how well you recover, as well as being directly linked to how, how likely you are to get injured. So there's some studies that are out 37% if you if you've got um, 4 hours of sleep compared to 8 hours of sleep you're 37% more likely to get injured um, from 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 that uh, that study that's come out um, I'm a big ambassador for sleep as well. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> one hearing that. Um, and also looking at the quality of sleep that you're getting. Um, so sleep is the the number one. So if someone comes to me and they're like I'm not recovering. Number one thing I do is are you getting enough sleep? And, mm. and just looking at their sleeping patterns and um, and tracking that a little bit. A lot of really good apps you can get now to track that. And then the second one is load management, which is really stress management. So that might be, I'm not recovering. All right, have you got a training diary? If they say no, start a training diary. That's a, that's a, that's a must. And then if they do have a training diary. And is, as in like an app on your phone? Yeah, you can do like or? a MyFitnessPal or it might just be, you can go old school and do a mm. handwritten diary where you just, putting your sessions and what you're doing and then 
you just basically look at it and go, all right, when are you doing your training sessions? Is a way that we can space them out a little bit more? Is there a way that we can do some in the morning, some in the afternoon? Is there a way that we can maybe change, flip the order of the sessions you're doing to try to make it fit into your lifestyle? So then you can actually get the quality sleep and recovery that you need um, beyond massage guns and ice baths and all these things that you can do for recovery. The, the two undisputed kings are sleep and load management, which ends up being stress management. Right. Um, they're, they're the two undisputable ones. And there, is there ways that you can find out like the quality in, in terms of like how much REM sleep you're getting as well? Because there's a, there's a lot of really good apps now. Like yeah. so many really good apps. There's one that um, I'm sure a lot of people probably listen to Joe Rogan and, and know that he's when he did his Sober October, they did the Whoop Strap. Um, and I have a few clients that use utilize the Whoop and that gives you... Um, that gives you really good feedback about your quality of sleep. And it also gives you a um, a rating sort of out of, I think it's up to 100, um, of how well you've recovered from your sleep. Um, so when you wake up in the morning, you'll get like, okay, you are now at an 18 rating and you go, oh, geez, that's not very good. And other days you wake up. And what you're, what you're do you mean? Is in like how awake you are? No, at how much, how much your body has recovered and is ready to train again. Oh. Yeah. And so you'll train really hard and the whoop strap will say, all right, you're almost at a zero in terms of where your recovery is right now. And then you'll go home, have your dinner, sleep, wake up in the morning and then you'll be able to see where where is my recovery? How well have I recovered while right. I'm sleeping? So, so sometimes you have so really would, good sleep, recovers yeah. a lot. Other times you have really poor broken sleep, which is me with a two-year-old and four-year-old at home. <laughs> um, it doesn't, it doesn't, the dial doesn't move as much. Right, Yeah. right. And I... This is probably this might be bullshit, but I was at a buying my bed the other day. I had to buy my new mattress. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and I was and my and the the bed salesman who I just don't trust as far as I can throw them the bloody yeah, bed salesman. Yeah. But they're asking me what what do I sleep on, what side, and all these trying to sell me this bed. And I'm like, I'm a side sleeper, and like, oh yeah, you know, you're always going to be interrupted in your sleep. And I started thinking, shit, is this gonna does that affect my training? The fact that I'm a side sleeper and maybe you know I'm. <laughs> I'm, 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 you know, tossing and turning in the night. Yeah, look, <laughs> again, yes, it may if it's, if, it's, if it's affecting your sleep. But one thing that affects your sleep is overactivity of the mind. Mm. So if you're thinking about how to sleep <clears throat> and the way you sleep while you're trying to go to sleep, the chances are that your sleep isn't going to be fantastic. So Always sleep better after a good boxing session. Yeah, because you're, the mindfulness, mm -hmm. the, the absentee of thought and the, oh, I just need to sleep and you just... And you just almost collapse in bed, right? As opposed to having, you know, if you're a student and you're studying and exams are coming up, you're thinking about the exam, thinking about all the things you have to do in the morning. You wake up, you don't feel refreshed, even though you might have had nine hours sleep. You still feel like you need more because the the, the thought processes are going crazy. So I try to practice within the clinic and 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 people I talk to is just keep things simple. Don't overthink things. Because that activity of thought sometimes can interrupt everything. Um, and so with, with sleeping, what type of bed? Well, yeah, just pick the one that you think is right. Yeah. Try not to listen to the thousand pieces of advice that you get. Yeah. I think, um, I think I'm think i on a winner. I've got, I'm getting it delivered, yeah. delivered on Friday. Yeah. Is it a bed in a box? Um, no, no, no. They're, no. they're, they're installing it for me because I'm, I'm oh. not a very practical person. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to go on a building site a few times and just got screamed at all day by the, yeah. all, all the tradies. So. <laughs> Mate, that was the end of it. But enough about my bed and yeah. my 
lack of practical skills. Yeah. More about my recovery. Yeah. <laughs> so it's obviously, it's the first time I've ever done like weights or anything. And uh, Mark's being very patient with me and uh, t- taking me through everything. But um, I'm, I'm waking up pretty good, but I think it's like almost just a general sort of fatigue. My, my muscles aren't actually like, like a sore in, in a certain place or anything, but just general fatigue, I feel like is a bit. Yeah. 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 So there are other things that you can look at. Um, which which is good because Mark does touch on this as well with his clients, is your nutrition as well. So making sure you're getting enough. Look, at the end of the day, there's a thousand different diets. Last time I was on here um, was we talked a lot about intermittent fasting and, 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 and those sorts of things. And really the, the general view is that no matter what, you're still dictated by calories in, calories out, right? So if you're trying to grow and get stronger, your body has to be anabolic. So that means it has to be in a calorie surplus to do that. Mm. If you're trying to drop weight, in some ways your body becomes catabolic. And so you need to be in it. Was it you who I call it cannibalic last cannibalic? time? Cannibalic, yeah, I think it was. <laughs> you could eat yourself, I suppose. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, God, sure so mine. making sure your nutrient levels are where they need to be. Now, you can get extremely, you know, finessed here and get down to particulars. That's not definitely not my role to, to, to get into those. Um, that's more of a nutritionist, dietitian sort of role. Um, but really just getting your macros in order, your proteins, your fats, your carbs, eating yep. them at the right time. After training, making sure you get your proteins in. Protein likes carbohydrates after training. So, you know, like coupling those those basic macros with each other, mm. making sure you're not eating too close to when you go to sleep because then it interrupts your sleep um, and you don't recover as well because your body's still trying to go through that digestive process. Argentinians eat dinner at like 11, 12 o'clock at night. You know that? Yeah. They're yeah. crazy. Big steaks and, and all that. Yeah. I don't know how many Argentinian... Uh... <laughs> My therapist, you know. Yeah, I went to Argentina for a while and I mean, yeah, there are a lot of um, unfittish looking people yeah. walking around. So uh, I don't know. I think they uh, enjoy the finer things a little bit more in life. Yeah, maybe they sleep in later as well. Maybe I think they, they do. do. They sleep during the day, siesta too. Yeah. Um, are you like a big advocate for sauna? Because I, I, I'm a big sauna man. I yeah. go there once a week yeah. and I like to stretch out. makes me feel limber, yep. loose, sweating out all the toxins, rehydrating. Yeah. So personally, I love the sauna, mm. um, which is weird because I don't like heat. So when it's really hot, I hate training when it's really hot. I'd rather train when it's freezing cold. Um, but I love the heat, especially the infrared sauna because it's not like – doesn't feel like a sweaty heat as much as it does um, just being more humid. Um, so the the sauna, like if we look at the literature, <clears throat> there's not strong evidence to say that sauna increases your muscle activity and 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 really rebuilds um, muscle growth. But the strong literature is that the things that allow you to manage your stress, so the things you like doing, are the things that help you then have all those other things we already spoke about in, in order, like the sleep's in order, the stress management's in order. So my advice is always, if you like being in a sauna and it feels like it's good, then you should do it. Yep. If you hate it and you're like, oh, I have to go to the sauna again, but I have to do this because my coach said so, which is what happens with going in the beach at six o'clock in the morning from if you're in a footy team or something like that or mm. jumping in an ice bath. If you hate it and it's just the worst thing, then the chances are that that won't be beneficial for your recovery. Wow, it's so funny how the neural link to it, like the yeah, your, the psychological effect mm. um, and, and how much you you like doing something is a really big component of recovery. So I love doing sauna, and so I do sauna more. And I tell people all the time, they said, "Do you recommend it?" And I'm like, "Try it." 
And if it feels good and you think you like it, use it. If you hate being in there and you hate every second, then find another method that might work for you. And that's true about foam rolling. Yeah, some people right. love foam rolling, right? If we look at the literature, foam rolling doesn't structurally do anything to the tissue. So it doesn't, you know, you don't foam roll out your quad and all of a sudden your quad is longer because you've, you've foam rolled it out. Um, it's, it's really just a neurological response that you get. Some people like the feeling of the foam roller and so neurologically they adapt in a positive way. Other people hate it. And so you tell them foam roll out your legs and they're like, oh, they're wincing while they do it, but they believe that it might help them. Um, the chances are it won't because it just doesn't feel good for that body. Mm. So recovery methods, you have like 15 of them and you pick and choose the two or three that works for the for you or in my case works for my clients that I'll say, okay, which are the ones? Let's, let's trial it. Let's do this for a week, this for a week. All right, let's pick that. And then they've got a routine, which is what I would recommend for you with your training. Fight like early on when you're doing the load um, that you're not used to doing try two or three different methods see which one you feel better write your little diary about it yeah i feel better this week i might stick to that one and do that one a little bit more mm. and after a month you might change because life might change you might not have the time to do this and you might do something different so that's the 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 biggest bits of advice for like recovery and, and the different methods that you can right. use have you, have you ever tried one of those is it oh, what's that it's like minus 60 degrees cry chambers yeah yeah cry chambers. yeah so again, the literature around is not strong um, in terms of what physically it's, it's doing. But a running theme with a lot of these is that the literature still isn't really well developed in a lot of these. So the studies aren't as robust as they kind of should be. So mm. more studies are needed to actually to, uh, to get it there. But one thing that's true, have you ever done the cryochamber? I have. Right. Once. And you convince yourself that it's got to work because it's well, that. Well, I mean, I've asked a, them about what it does before and they gave me this list of like, your sleep's going to be better, your mood's going to be better, your sex life's going to be better, yeah. you know, you'll have a hot girlfriend, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, give me a whole yeah. nine yards. Well, I can tell you all that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. But like, um, I did it and like, I didn't, notice anything that was tangible but in my head i was thinking i'm, I'm a better person <laughs> exactly right exactly right you're that placebo effect mm. um because we've got to remember that a placebo effect is still an effect so whether or not um it's scientifically doing what you think it's doing but you feel like it does sometimes that placebo effect is just as good of it as an actual effect yeah and the placebo effect of getting into a cryo chamber at minus 60 degrees or whatever it might be and you're sitting there in this environment that's really foreign and you're like, man, this has to work. Look how scientific this yeah, is. Yeah, I can't see shit. Yeah, that's that's really powful. <laughs> yeah. That's really powerful. Same you as gloves on and you're that's like... That's right. Your, yeah, Same cool. as jumping into a, an ice bath or something mm. like that. Um, you, can, you, you convince yourself that this has to work because <clears throat> if I'm going through this pain, this discomfort, the process of all this... Um, it's something different. You feel like you're getting the edge. You feel like an athlete. Like yeah, yeah, you do, don't you? You feel like yeah. an athlete. And why do athletes do it? Because it makes them feel like athletes. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so, like a real athlete. But you go, you know, and that's that's one of the other issues, isn't it? You see social media and you see LeBron James doing an exercise, and you're like, oh well, in order for me to play basketball like that, I have to do that exercise, and yeah. everyone jumps on it. Um, that's where sponsorship and marketing is just beautiful thing <laughs> yeah like the best the best example of that is do you remember the magnetic um wristbands yeah. that people would wear and paul pierce was a yeah, yeah. Um, advocate for it and all that sort of stuff 
And for about a year or two, everyone had them, right? And they all did this balance test and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and then about two years into that craze, um, they did a study on them and they kind of cut them open and look at the magnets and the holographs and they they completely debunked it all. And they were like, this is this is not doing anything it says it does. <laughs> this is nonsense. And then all of a sudden the effect that people were getting, were, oh yeah, I don't really feel that effect <laughs> yeah. anymore. And so it was really that placebo buying effect. That's that, so that funny how placebo can be like such a an actual strong thing. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. But I think that the one that I have done a few times that I don't, I don't know, I don't really think it's a placebo effect. I think it's pretty good is the float tank. Yes. Done that a few times and I found that to be genuinely like there's magnesium and then Epsom salts that sort of like help you literally physically with recovery, isn't there? Yeah, I, I think it's less about what's in the water. So it's not as necessarily about, even though you do get transfusion through the skin of, you know, if you have an Epsom salt bath, you know, it, it feels nice and there is some absorption of, of those minerals. But it's less about the minerals and the transfer of the minerals. It's more about what is the actual float tank doing? Like, what do you do while you're in there? Mm. You relax. Right. You, some, hopefully you, it's almost like a meditative state. Some people go crazy in a float tank because they're claustrophobic and they can't do it, but they like meditating. Some other people like to put on their favorite movie and just zone out to Netflix. Some people like to go for a walk and to reach that absentee of thought and that full relaxed state. Float tanks are fantastic for, for people like yourself where you're like, I can just be here. I can be weightless, especially if you're in pain. Like if you've got back pain, you float, it all goes away. And just having that absentee of, of of thought and the processes that may be not fantastic for you at that time, that's the powerful part of it. So it's not the minerals and the, you know, the thickness of the water. That just helps you float. There's some added benefits there, but the real one is what what process does it do for you? And so is float tank great for everyone? No, because some people freak out when they're mm. in the float tank. But what is their method? Some people it's reading, some people it's, you know, I like that because a lot of professionals can be quite dogmatic sometimes about what is good, what you shouldn't, shouldn't do. Yeah. And, but you, you understand that everyone has their different thing. And I had a, like a, one of my friends watches maths, right? Married at first sight. <laughs> oh. And it was on the other night and I was, I was an unwilling observer. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. You just happened. You tripped and fell into exactly. maths. Yeah. yeah. And some crazy gossip was happening anyways yeah. and she she was explaining to me that you know this is my time where i just sort of zone out i've had a big day then i zone out i know it's mindless tv i'm not getting any smarter but i zone out yeah and i was like that's actually a really good point yeah because that's kind of your way of relaxing even though this show isn't you know helping you at all you're still zoning out and i guess yeah. that's sort of a similar concept with the float tank for me it's where i just get to go out remove all of the sensory input that's that's happening in the day-to-day -day and just sort of relax for a little while. Yeah, nothing nothing matters at that time except you individually, the space you're in, which is dark and, you know, <clears throat> deprivation tanks, so you, you're deprived of anything of the outside. That's really powerful. Mm. That's great. And people get that from watching maths. Um, <laughs> now, the problem is, is that when most people are watching maths, they've got their Facebook open and they're tweeting about whatever and doing all this different stuff, so their mind's going crazy, so they they – finish that and they feel more stressed because they're involved in the show yeah it is pretty cool yeah and you know that happens a lot like i remember i used to i'm a big survivor fan like i'm a survivor <laughs> fanatic and uh and i finished like when an episode of survivor finishes 
I feel like I've played the game. Like my <laughs> adrenaline is running crazy. I'm thinking about all the different strategies someone should do and all the different gameplays and what I would do if I was in that situation. And uh, <laughs> and it's like a workout, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not a really good one for me right. for, for if I was looking for like recovery. Um, but maths would be because I just sit there and zone just out to it. Mind-numbing sort of stuff. Yeah. But I do love the float tank. And I feel like the first time I did it, I was in there for an hour and I had, and it was almost like this transcendental sort of experience where you kind of forget where you are. And in, in a way, I felt like it really, really helped with my physical recovery because I got out of there and I felt refreshed, um, walked outside and I just sort of felt like I hadn't seen the real world in, in like hours. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Like if, you, if, you're, if you're doing the things that you should be doing, to physically recover. So you're keeping your mobility where it needs to be. So that doesn't mean you have to stretch every second of the day, but you should be moving your joints through ranges of motion every day. Yeah. And so, especially if you're coming and doing squats or deadlifts, then you should be moving your back, your hips, your knees, your ankles, because you're then going to be loading them. So you should be moving them regularly. If you're doing those things to structurally keep yourself where you need to be, then the number one focus is just mentally where you need to be so what what makes you mentally relax switch off when you need to to be able to switch on when you need to some people can't switch on you see it like fighting is a perfect example some people that just oh, cowboy Cerrone yep right with his McGregor fight fair, fair to say he probably wasn't switched on like he needed to be and Connor knew that Connor knew that cowboy was a slow starter and Connor's mm. a fast starter mm-hmm. so whatever Connor McGregor does he gets himself in a state where he's ready to go from the very beginning. Um, he's found his niche. Whereas Cowboy, maybe, that relaxed takes state, a round to switch on. takes a round to switch on. The problem is if you're fighting a really explosive fighter who's switched on from the start, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get found out, which is what happened in that, in that sense. So finding the things that work where you can switch off where you need to, but you can switch on when you really need it, which is performance training, that's the, that's the balance that I think... It's elusive for a lot of people and that's what we try to help with. What can we do to add to make you switch off? What can we do to add to make you switch on when you need to? Right, right. And switching on is a good one, especially with boxing as well because like you said with the cowboy example, it is quite common for to get in there and to just be like not really mentally there. You're physically there in the ring or in the pads, pads bags, whatever, but you might be thinking about something else. And you struggle to you get into that You might be thinking about like state. a really heavy costume that you wore to the ring yeah. and, uh, and it takes a toll on you yeah. and the next thing you know, you've been punched in the head four times. Yes, you know? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that does happen though, you know, like not the costume, that was absolute <laughs> nonsense. Um, have you seen the clip of him, of Deontay Wilder talking to Joe Rogan I about have. like saying, I wear 40 kilo weights yeah. every day. Yeah. He's a unique, you got found unique out, bro. person. I think when you're... 40 and oh and you've knocked out all these people and for 15 years you haven't been beaten and i think you truly believe that you're unbeatable and Mm. you have people around you that have told you that for 15 years and so when you get found out by like i mean it's no shame to lose to tyson fury he's a he's a freak of a heavyweight boxer um when you get found out you have to go to what's the reason that I love. No, you can't be better than me. What's the oh? Was that suit? Yeah, it was that damn costume. I was in it for like twenty minutes, and yeah, it, it's like oh, that stopped your head movement, did it? Or oh, that yeah, that, that made you only throw a right hand loaded up. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not too happy about the rematch. Yeah, I'd July eighteenth. You'd rather Joshua, wouldn't you? But I mean, rematch might then make the Joshua fight bigger. Maybe when if that happens Joshua, later in the year, if Joshua decides to fight. 
him eventually. Yeah. I think Joshua's game to fight them. I just don't think that the matchmakers want to necessarily do it straight away. I, think I just don't Eddie understand. Because if, if, if Wilder wins the next fight, then it's 1-1 and a draw. Yeah. What happens if they fight again? Well, from a promotion perspective, yeah. They want to they want to drain that cash cow for as much as they possibly can. That is just... I like the fight and everything, but there's only so much of, you know, Tyson Fury calling him a big dosser. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I can watch yeah. in, in the build-up. You do want fresh blood in there as much as you possibly can, but at the same time, um, you understand from a promotions perspective, how can we get the most money? How can we get the most people to view most eyes on this product? Mm. And that's through the biggest names. Mm. Are you working with any fighters at the moment? Uh, only the people who are currently at Fight Fit, um, working with a couple of those, they're going through a few little injuries, which we won't talk about, yeah. um, to helping them to get their recovery. And then um, I'm sure I'll be helping out a few people um, either, either with their boxing training or their um, recovery processes as the challenge training starts again. But um, my specific boxing training days um aren't as heavy as they used to be um a few years ago i used to have a few more fighters um sort of in the stable you'd say yeah. um but you now used to have so simone, much... simone bailey right yeah yeah simone um started training with me for a couple of years and we we had some really good really good results simone won the national championships which is fantastic and then she realized that she's too smart to get punched in the head anymore um especially with some eye issues that she had and things like that and so um you know she decided to now she's obsessed with crossfit yeah and so she so she does crossfit every day <clears throat> and she's busy you know being the head of the boxing board and a barrister and her her life is just too busy but at the time boxing was her number one focus she mm. just she was obsessed with it she was gone and so um <clears throat> we worked really well together because <clears throat> i bought system to her training I bought, you know, there was a there was a goal and a focus to everything we did. There was a purpose behind it. Yeah. And that really worked for her. But other people just like to come in and train and not think of anything and just smash the bags and right. spar hard and do all that sort of stuff, <clears throat> which is fine. That's just not my style. My style is very purposeful driven. Um, and I suppose it lends itself to this, to this business as well. I find that I'm very goal orientated as mm -hmm. well. Like I need to have something at the end of the line that I'm, that I'm working towards yeah. if I want to do well. Otherwise, I'll probably just like stagnate. Yeah, yeah. And and not everyone's like that though. Yeah. Some people just like to come in, tell me what to do, coach. Tell me what to do. I'll, I'll just follow and say yes and, and mm. I'll do it. And sometimes that works really well. And other people are like, well, tell me why I'm doing this. Tell me what's the next step. What are we working towards? And they want to be part of the plan. So having those different styles or knowing a whole bunch of different therapists, coaches, nutritionists that can complement that athlete's mindset. Right. That's that's one of the big goals. Yeah. That's one of the big goals or the big benefits of having a network around you, which is fantastic at Fight Fit because there's so many different styles of trainers, um, different services. We've got myself and my business. We've got Mitchell and physiotherapy. We've got Mark and his strength center. We've got Sheck and his kids program. <laughs> We have so many different things here that Definitely. we can kind of refer in-house, which is fantastic. Um, and so that's why I'm really excited with opening in Collingwood because it, it it continues the partnership with Fight Fit, which is which has only gone well. I've now been 
in partnership with Fight Fit for over five years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's only going to strengthen, especially with the opening of Moorabbin. And we'll be looking at continuing it through there at some stage as well. Um, so it's only going to grow, um, which is exciting, really exciting. So you see yourself um, having a position at Moorabbin as well? Yeah, I think I'll be taking a couple of classes there maybe. And, um, and, and I think that hopefully by the end of the year, we, we may have an announcement as well. Awesome. <laughs> we may, maybe out by the end of the year. That's uh, good because I'd, it'd be good to have like these sort of partnerships at all of the different fight fit locations. Yeah. To just people know that if they're a member at this gym, they can also have access to, you know, functional therapies and stuff as well. Yeah. Obviously it's a separate entity in a way, but you know, to, and have the same sort of opportunity at Moorabbin as well or at Collingwood. Yeah. And I think it really helps. And I know from when I was training a lot before I was in the therapeutic world, it helps so much when you can go to a therapist and they know what you do. So you don't mm. have to explain them, oh, well, I box. And, and then they, they look at, oh, you know, I'm not sure about boxing training, what yep. it consists of. You've just got to look out the window. Yeah, yes. exactly right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, I, I box every day. Like I, I, and then we, we all know <clears throat> that, that my business, we know what it entails and the training. And so we've got specific protocols that we'll implement with people that are boxing. We know the problem areas that you have. Um, <clears throat> same as, you know, resistance training. We understand it. And so we don't have to ask a thousand questions about it because we know the things that that are occur because we're familiar with it, and that's really big. Like it's it's really annoying. You know, you go to a therapist and you have to explain what you do, and they kind of look at you and they don't really understand it, and they kind of treat you a little bit differently. And so having that familiarity with the movements is a really like a really big bonus, right? Um, and so that's why, you know, I've worked with Fight Fit for so long because it it goes hand in hand with my training, my background, the business that I run, um, specifically catered to combat sport athletes, power athletes, strength training athletes. That's the that's the service that we offer. Well, I mean, all encompassing, isn't it? And yeah, perfectly within your um, demographic. Mm. I was telling you that I went to a myotherapist for the first time in when I was in Brisbane a few weeks ago. Yeah, his name was Marco, Peruvian dude, very nice guy. Um, he was doing the pressure points, the trigger points, I think it is, where yep. you like put your elbow or whatever in there. And my hips, when he put he put it in this certain point in my hip there, like glute, and the pain was just shooting into my hamstrings. Yep. And it was like the most the most bizarre feeling. I've never been to a myotherapist before. And um, yeah, apparently my hips are quite problematic. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of things can be problematic. Mm. Um, it's just a matter of finding what, the individual one that works for the certain client. Sometimes trigger point therapy is is really beneficial. Other times it's, you know, sometimes we don't do any massage work. It's just about the advice and about the lifestyle and do corrective exercise and movements and that's that's the session. Um, it's not always jump on and do, mm. do massage. You know, it changes depending on what the person needs. So people always ask me, you know, what's my therapy? I'm like, well, it's hard to explain because it could be so many things depending on the person that's in front of you. But we try to use, you know, thorough assessment. We use a range of modalities, a range of techniques to be able to help. We look at the lifestyle management and advice that we can give. We get you moving as much as much as you possibly can. And then we make sure that wherever we can, we educate and we use the evidence to to inform those those decisions, not just grab a massage gun because it looks cool. Yeah. You know, actually wait and see what the evidence says. And give somebody like a long lasting you know means of of i guess maintaining 
mm. the, the advice that you've given them, maintaining like a healthy sort of. Yeah. And one of the real take home messages, which is a, a good one to sort of su- summarize in a way, is that like injury only happens when demand exceeds capacity. So when you're asked, you're asked to do something more than you can actually do. Mm. And so what's the best way to stop yourself from getting injured? To be able to do more. So then the demands don't exceed that. And so if someone comes in and hurts their hamstring or their lower back and they were deadlifting at some stage, I don't want to return you back to pre-injury state. I want to make you better. I want to, I want to increase your demand. And so part of that is going to be loading you up, doing strength training as part of your rehab, not just being on a table, getting a massage, feeling better, and then, all right, you've recovered, go train, and you haven't actually increased your capacity to move and to load. Um, you've only just restored it back to where it was but that obviously wasn't good enough because you got injured. So increasing capacity is huge to be able to then do have your body demand more, which is which is sort of the the motto I suppose that that we follow. That's kind of what I'm going for with my strength training at the moment because I really want to a look sexy but also gain <laughs> gain a bit of lean yeah. muscle mass. Yeah. Um but you know, I want to be stronger as well and in 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 the areas I often get injured, like say say my hips or you know my 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 legs or or my shoulders and all these like problematic little places, I'd like to be actually stronger there. Yeah, because I think that that'd be a really good remedy for getting injured all the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and not being out of balance as well. Yeah, a little catchphrase that a few therapists use. I don't mind it. You can't go wrong getting strong. And so, if someone says, "What should I do?" Well, get to, get stronger. Like I've never met anyone that says, oh, "I'm too strong." <laughs> like you can be too bulky or you know like that's no one ever complains being too strong mm. um so get stronger yeah. like it requires training it requires methodical training not just haphazard training yeah. to have a certain outcome it was so funny yesterday i was <laughs> i was talking to eric diamondstein um and he he came over to me while i was doing my weights and he was like oh what are you what are you up to i was like yeah you know i've been doing weights and whatever and he was like what's your goal and i was like yeah you know i want to get strong but i want to get too big and he was like yeah, look, mate, it takes a while to get really big. So I think first, first of all, you just build a bit of muscle before you start worrying about getting too big. I don't think you have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know what? That's a good point. Yeah. It's a really because I want to. I don't want to get massive because of because of my boxing. You know, yeah. Brendan would kill me. But but that just comes down to training design. Yeah. Like bodybuilders get big because they train time <laughs> under tension, so they they're slow reps and heaps of reps and moderate weight. Um, you see a lot of powerlifters out there and they're not anywhere near as big as a bodybuilder because they're training less reps, more explosiveness, speeds are part of the a part of the um, training. It's the same with boxing. Um, you want to be you want to be strong for boxing. You don't want to be a bodybuilder. So your body shape will change, but not beyond what you'd want it to if the design of the training is right. Right. Yeah. If you're just following Arnold's encyclopedia of that's what of, I was doing. Know, yeah. That's what then was you're uh, before you know, Mark got a hold of your me, body that's what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> doing Arnold him. curls and presses. I thought he was going to be so impressed with me. I was like, yeah, I got an Arnold's thing up, and he's literally like, <laughs> he just yeah, looking, look, yeah, man, I'm sure, but, <laughs> but it's good. He's now got me a something that's catered for me yeah. and for what I want to do, so that I don't get too big. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because too, yeah. too massive. Because I saw the weights you're shifting, you're in danger of getting yeah, too big. You I know, know mate, seriously, <laughs> I got to be careful. Yeah. But um, have you seen Joe Rogan's um episode with Faraz Sahabi? Yes. 
and he's like a, a guru, you know, yeah. he's the tri-star guy. But he, one of his theories is that he likes to not ever be sore, mm. you know. And I find that, find that quite interesting. And he's thinking about volume over a longer period of time. So you're training X amount and then you're able to maintain that five, six times a week rather than smashing yourself, yeah. having a shit session the next day. And then over, say, a year, you've trained more hours but at a lesser intensity than somebody who's trained, you know. Less. Yeah, so there's sort of a theory that you have with acute chronic workload. So chronic workload would be the, all the work you're putting over a period of time. So at like a three-month period of time, all of that stuff adds up and becomes really big. And then there's the acute workload, which is what you can do week to week. The problem with that I see with for us is sort of theory is that if you're not experiencing uh, intense loads during your workouts and going to that threshold – if all of a sudden you're in a position where you need to do that, i.e. in the ring or wherever, whatever it might be, game day, you need to go to that threshold. You may not have experienced it in training because you're only doing small amounts. And so all of a sudden it's like, well, I've got to do double what I've ever done in a one session. Does my body know how to do that? Hmm. So, and I'm sure he wouldn't, like, he'd have GSP doing intense, intense stuff. Hmm. Uh, he just probably mellows it down during the off seasons and those sorts of things just to continue um and so you've got to you've got to have your athletes experiencing that intensity but at the same time I, I agree i think too many of us train crazy intensity and we don't recover and then it affects our training and it affects our performance so people think training harder is the key training smarter and recovering harder is the key mm. think of all the money people spend on training and all the time and then you ask them are you sleeping and they're like no nah. are you drinking two liters of water no nah. Well, all of that is only being 10% less effective, 10% less effective. And next thing you know, you're getting 50% of the benefit because you're not doing all those little things. Water. Water. like Water is an important one. Yeah. I started drinking four liters a day when um, I was working with Michelle Reeves doing my nutrition plan before the last five fit challenge. Yeah. And literally nothing has been more like of, a, of like an eye opener for yeah. me than how good I felt drinking four liters of water a day and i try i try and stick our, to it religiously the, the number one thing in our body and is water. cognitively like 70 percent of yeah. sort of water do you, do you try get down sort of a f- i i tried i try to every day have three liters if i can um but there i lecture at university and stuff sometimes i'll do a three-hour lecture and i'll be like geez i've just talked for three hours and i have not had a sip of water yeah and i'll start to get headaches i'll start to feel fatigued but you notice it so much once, once you've actually started to stick to a routine of drinking a lot of water. Yeah. And sometimes it is, it's hard at the start because you're like, oh, I don't feel thirsty. I'm running to the toilet all the time. But your body adapts. Yeah. Your body adapts to it. And so that, that, that's just a simple thing. It's cost effective. Um, just drink more water. And all of a sudden your training might get better. Like now I wouldn't go into anything that I have to use my brain for if I have like a big day of work ahead of me or if I've got a podcast. The, the day before, I'm like, I've got to drink four liters today and then get up in the morning and and still keep hydrating because your brain is so much more switched on and obviously your body as well. And mm-hmm. you, you, I think it does help with your physical recovery as well. For well, sure. it makes sense. Blood without water, blood is nothing. Yeah. And blood delivers the nutrients to the muscles, to the organs. So if you're depriving yourself of water, you're, de- you're making your blood thicker, which then means the transportation of nutrients is diminished. Wow. So it's like, it's a no-brainer and most people don't even think of it that way. And then when you explain it, they're like, actually, that's a really, that's a good point. I'll start drinking more water and then, oh, I can sleep a little bit better because my recovery is going a little bit more. I get more out of my sleep. Hmm. 
and then their training becomes better because of that. So rather than going, oh, get the newest compression shorts or, you know, do all these fancy things that cost money and all this sort of stuff, just do the basics. Mm. Too many people aren't covering the basics enough. And if you do that, then you can look at all the little one percenters, the supplements, the, you know, the different little things that you can do to try to get your recovery where it needs to be and train better. But, you know, they'll say you can't out, you can't outrun a shit diet, you know, like you, you can't, you can't out train not doing the basics. You have to do the basics right. Then you can train harder right. um, to go forward from there. So, Neil, what is the process from here? You bet you're opening up, do you say Monday? Yes. So, Monday the 9th Monday is the our 9th. official opening date at um, Collingwood. And that will be the day that this is released. Yes. Monday the 9th. Yep. So, the evening of Monday the 9th. So, when you're listening to this, you can then pop into Collingwood the next day. And- yep. You can jump online. We'll have we'll be launching our brand new website um, with our online booking system as well. <laughs> so, it's functionaltherapies.com.au. Um, we'll link that to this post. Um, you can book online. We've got a blog up all about recovery strategies. So, everything we've talked about today is um, up on the blog. Um, you can follow us on social media. Always putting up little videos. There'll be heaps of content about, especially combat sport and power athletes things to do with their recovery and, and how to help there'll be a lot of video content going up um yeah this year is going to be a big year for content a big year for for um for driving the business which um hopefully will be helpful for for listeners and viewers um hopefully they can take take a couple of tips and help themselves um not get injured Yep. Okay. So functional therapies on Instagram and Facebook as well. Yep. Instagram, Facebook. Make sure you guys get on there because there's some great free advice that you can just sort of tune into their Instagram. Neil posts a lot of great stuff. Um, and yeah, I'll be I'll I'll help repost that stuff as well on great. all the Fight Fit podcast stuff because people love to hear that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Get yourself guys, a bit sexier and bigger. Yeah. First, yeah. I will. I will. And then I'll start doing. <laughs> and then my, a shirt. Off yeah. Posting yeah. And then I can have one of your polos and start modeling. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. But um, I would re- seriously recommend it, guys. Um, everybody at Fight Fit here, we care a lot about you know people doing well. We want to see everyone do their best. Same with functional therapies and uh, MD strength and everybody. So Neil, thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, see you later, guys. See ya. Bye.